what the topic is about today because it's about discouragement and some of the people that I prayed over the words to say or what to find when I was looking aren't here today and um, that's no mistake the enemy is hard at work and it says he's like a roaring lion roaming to and fro and my heart's been very heavy about what is happening in our church and I'm grieved And I think the part that grieves me most is people, I'll talk about this in a second, but there's seasons, people have seasons in their life, and um, for one reason or another, they feel the need to leave and go elsewhere. But the part that grieves me is the people that just piggyback on someone else's hurt or someone else's injustice without even finding out anything that's going on, and they flee their churches. It's not just in our church, it's churches everywhere. And we get our eyes on a man, a pastor who is human, like we are, and people have disagreements with one another. And when I talk to several people, and the thing that's frustrating for me is I'm trying to be encouraging them. Oh, I'm, I'm taking a little break. Well, can you tell me why you're taking a break? Well, no, I'm just taking a break. Well, I'm a board member, I'm a secretary of the board, um, but if, the, if nobody expresses to the board member or to a board member what reason they feel they need to take a break, then we don't know. We don't know what's happening. We don't know how people, we don't know how people are feeling. We don't know is there things that need to be changed? And sometimes people have slight things and they leave and say, I'm taking a break. I had several people tell me, yeah, I haven't been coming to church because the music was too loud. Well, the music had been turned down and I went to Richard and I said, well, the music level was much better today because last week it was a little loud even for me and I like loud music. And he chuckled and said, yeah, that's my bad. He said several people came to me because I come in here when I'm in here by myself and I turn the music way up and I'm, um, you know, singing, playing, doing whatever with the music loud. He's owning it back there. And he says, and then I get up here in the front and I'm not realizing how loud it is. And my deaf sister's back in the booth and she doesn't know how loud it is because of being hearing impaired. And so in turn, we have people that are playing to the foyer and saying they're taking a break. I actually had somebody tell me they were taking a break because music was too loud. You have to voice what your concerns are. You have to voice what's going on. And I know um, I know that we hurt for people when they feel they have to leave the church or things have happened and everything. 
but I've just been feeling very strongly we need to pull together. When there's things that happen amongst our congregation, we need to pull together. We need to try to work out solutions. We need to come up with with ways to make things better, um, to come to some kind of conclusion that doesn't that includes restoration and not hurt. And um, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's what we need to do. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And if a pastor does something that's diametrically opposed to Scripture, then certainly you have the right to stand up and say, I don't agree with what you're doing. That is totally against Scripture. And if this is not brought to some kind of resolution, I am gone. But everything I've seen as a board member and a parishioner sitting in here of our pastor is he preaches the word and he brings the word to us. Is he flawed? Yeah, he's human. And he'll be the first one to own up to his flaws. And But he preaches the word to us. And he loves this congregation. And the way I know he loves this congregation is... We really aren't supporting him right now. And last month he got less than $700 for a paycheck. And the month before that he got $700. And this month is looking much greater. He has taken on two other jobs besides the church. He's working full-time job and he's doing a part-time chaplaincy because he feels strongly that God wants him here. And he loves the people of this church. And I don't think People that aren't on the board and don't sit there don't really know. They don't they don't see what's happening as far as that. And I don't I've grown up in the church and I've sat under a lot of pastors and it takes a lot for someone to say, I will go ahead and do whatever it takes to support my family but continue to minister to you. And he could give notice and say, I can't stay here. This was not the agreement I came under. The agreement's not being with upheld. And <laughs> D Doris used to run a daycare for years and she was always the last one paid by all of her clients. And Dee worked full time. And one day Dee happened to be home and it was time to be paid. And this parent hadn't paid for quite a while. And she said to the mother who worked for BLM and said, Can I ask you a question? The mom said, Yeah. She goes, Do you have to beg for your paycheck? She goes, No. What are you talking about? She goes, On payday, do you have to go beg for your paycheck? She goes, No. She goes, well, then why does my sister have to beg for years? And I think that I've just really thought about that lately. And, and I'm sorry because this probably doesn't apply to most of the people in this room. Like I said, the enemy's running to and fro, and I just had a text pop up from someone that I really wished was here and had reasons why they weren't here and apologizing um, that just popped up while I'm talking to you. 
But we need to pray and keep our eyes on Jesus. And discouragement, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. Um, it's discouraging to me. I'm happy to see all of you, but it's discouraging to me how many people aren't here today. Um, so I looked up a few things on courage, <clears throat> having courage in the face of discouragement and keeping your face strong, no matter what happens in your life. And I think we can apply this to our church and our church body. In life, we all go through seasons. Some are wonderful, some are very rough. We go through mountaintop experiences and we go through deserts. Which are you in right now? Well, we can definitely say we're in a desert, you know, <coughs> desert hills. Chances are your answer is based on your life experiences. Perhaps you just received a great new job, or perhaps you're without a job. Perhaps you're having a great season with your children, or perhaps they are being very challenging. Perhaps your marriage is in a great place, or perhaps you're struggling. Perhaps you're in full health. Perhaps your health isn't doing well. So let's ask a second question. What is your season with God right now? It is, a mount, is it a mountaintop or is it a desert? If you answer desert to either question, here's some encouragement. Although desert experience may be very painful, whether it is in our life circumstances or in our relationship with God, that doesn't make it bad. As a matter of fact, God can absolutely use that to grow us and mold us to be more like him. But we do need to realize it will happen over time and in his time. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. It is natural for us to experience the ebb and flow of emotions connected with the variation in our life experiences and seasons. So how do we deal with these peaks and valleys, these various seasons of our life? In the Bible, God used many flawed people in many great ways through many peaks and valleys. These people also seem to eventually get in the flow with God's way of doing things. So if it worked for them, it could work for us. So let's look at what it means to get in the flow. The point of getting in the flow is to help us always keep our focus firmly on God and follow his ways for us. Deuteronomy 5.32 says, So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. That tells me there that we're supposed to stay steadfast. So here are some ways to get in the flow, keep our minds set on the things above, and level out our peaks and valleys. So the F in flow is faith. Place our faith actively in God. We need to live with active faith in God, his words, and his ways. Where we put our faith is demonstrated by our behavior and the choices that we make. Here are some questions to consider when determining where we are putting our faith. Is my faith in my agenda or God's agenda? Is my faith in God or in my comfort? Is my faith in God or in my circumstances? Is my faith in God or in my money? Is my faith in God or in my career? Is my faith in my pastor or in my God? To place our faith in God means we need to spend time getting to know him through the Bible and through prayer and through community. I've been feeling very strongly about the spirit of community, and so our 
library has a ladies night once a month and so I gathered several ladies from the church and we went to the ladies night and it was wonderful we had a great time of fellowship and we were out with other women in the community and they could see us as the women of Desert Hills Church and that we were having a you know wonderful time um, and we need to start making connections outside of these church walls because that's what makes the relationships fragile that's what makes them break down when one thing happens and somebody leaves then these other bonds aren't strong I've had somebody tell me I feel disconnected I just had lots of people coming to talk to me in these last several months and and one of the things was I feel disconnected I don't, you know, so I think I need to take a break for a little bit because I feel disconnected. And I said, no, 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 no. When you feel disconnected is when you need to be there. The more disconnected you feel, the more connected you need to try to become. Because if you're disconnected and that enemy that's roaming around, if you have yourself disconnected, then you've created a gulf between yourself and your church family and your fellowship and it's easy for that enemy to get in there and push you farther away or as the Bible depicts as a roaring lion to grab you and drag you off and so we have to stay connected to our community faith in God is built up over time and we build and grow in our relationship with him this faith in him helps us give him thanks in the good times and the bad and to weather the storms of life the Allen flow stands for love God and love others without judgment. God calls us to love everyone, even those who are against us. Are we loving others the way we are called to? If we love and forgive in God's radical way, instead of based on what we think people deserve, we will offset the lows of relational circumstances that often send us into our desert periods. Loving God and others also help us take the focus off ourselves and our own circumstances. It puts us in a posture of serving and helping others. It also helps tremendously when we find ourselves in those flat desert seasons of life. The O of flow is obey. Obey God in his timing. Are we obeying God in what we are supposed to do and also what we are not supposed to do? So I have to tell you, so talking about the you know tithing thing and the, and the, the giving, I'm preaching to the choir because I've struggled with tithes for years and I'll go great, I'll have this great season, tithing great, and then, you know, then I'm not so much and, and I justify my non-giving by my kids in California need help, my daughter needs help, I need this, I need, you know, I've got this bill, I've got that bill. So I've been struggling with this and asking forgiveness and acknowledging that I'm a part of the reason that this church is in the financial state it's in because I haven't been faithful to do what I've been called to do and so I'm trying to do better I'm being very transparent here I'm driving to church one day I'm on my way to Sunday school you know running late I know you find that hard to believe and I'm just you know cruising along and I thought okay I need to stop and get some money from the ATM because I don't do checks anymore so I need to stop and get money, somebody from the ATM to put the offering. And then as I'm driving down Main Street, my head, well, yeah, you got that, you got that. You know, well, maybe you should wait and balance out the books and see what you have or whatever. And right as I get almost to Washington Federal, which is not my bank, but it's the only bank ATM that doesn't charge me a fee, because my bank's in Boise. <laughs> and 
I get almost to Washington Federal and I hear, trust me. And I was like, oh, okay. So I keep driving and right as I get to the driveway, it was so loud and powerful to me, trust me. Well, my car turned into that parking lot and went to that ATM. And that keeps reverberating with me. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And so I'm not up here to lecture people or to, you know, say, oh, I've got this all figured out, so you better be doing this because I'm a work in progress. And, um, and I have said many times, and I feel very strongly about it, God put me in a position of teaching, you know, on the board and doing stuff like this because there's things I wasn't learning on my own, so he's making me present it so I can learn it as I go. Um, So are we obeying God and what we are supposed to do and also what we are not supposed to do? For those of us who are parents, are we asking our children to obey us and then turning around and disobeying God ourselves? There have been seasons where I have done this over and over, and it feels awful and it doesn't work. We need to go to God with repentant hearts and ask for forgiveness and then make a change. Often we need to get help from a friend, a pastor, someone some kind of accountability to, to help us get through the desert period and get back on the right track. Following God's ways can be difficult and countercultural. Jesus demonstrated this all the time, but he also demonstrated what ultimate obedience and victory look like. They look like eternal life in heaven. They look like kingdom living on earth and in heaven. It is not easy, <laughs> but it does result in tremendous blessing and in fulfillment. So the W of flow is worship. Worship God with a thankful heart. Do you like it when someone praises you for a job well done or gives you a pat on the back? Do you like to be loved and wanted? Well, so does God. Living life with worship in our hearts is pleasing to God. And just like loving others takes the focus off ourselves, so does worship. How do you worship? Is it through worship music? Is it through being thankful for every day God gives you here on this earth? Is it by showing God how important he is to you by taking time to pray? Let us worship God every day, regardless of our circumstances. No matter what season you're in, staying focused on God and staying in the flow will help us experience his peace and love regardless of our circumstances, the way that the Apostle Paul described. Philippians 4, 12, and 13 says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Sometimes... It seems overwhelming, and it seems like, well, it's somebody else's job to see what's going on with everybody else. But the problem is, those people are thinking the same thing. Um, there's that song, can't remember the name of it, but it says, you know, God, why don't you do this, and why don't you do that, and why don't you do that? And he says, well, I created you. And um, Tim said, and has been calling people, calling people and talking to them, not getting very favorable responses, but she keeps calling. You have to keep speaking love into people's lives, and you have to keep speaking encouragement, and you have to 
try to help make the connect for those that feel the disconnect. Um, you can't let discouragement choke you. And it's very easy to do that. John 14, 1 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Discouragement is a temptation that is common to man. It says that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And in dealing with it, sometimes we need tenderness, and other times we need toughness. But either way, discouragement is not to be tolerated or wallowed in. It's to be fought. If we linger in discouragement, it can be costly. That sense of defeat and hopelessness saps us of energy and vision. It can consume a lot of time. It can keep us from doing what we need to do because we don't want to face it. And it can even be contagious, weakening others' faith. I have to be quite honest. So this whole brilliant idea of getting rid of the custodian <laughs> to be wise stewards of the church's money. Um, when I was cleaning the church on my week and I was in here doing it and everything, I was like grumbling and being discouraged and don't even have enough money to keep the custodian. And I'm like, this bright idea was to get rid of the custodian. I'm like, oh yeah, it was mine. Because I did not feel right. I felt troubled that we would pay a custodian when we're all able-bodied people that could come in here and, you know, run a vacuum and throw a dust cloth around. I mean, we're not that dirty of a people. We can manage it. I, I just felt troubled that our pastor is doing what he has to do to support his family, and the $300 we pay a custodian could be $300 more that he could be being paid because he is refusing to allow the church to fall below a certain threshold. So at the end of every month, him and Stephanie are looking at the books, and whatever is left above that threshold that he's allowing the church to maintain to make sure we have money to pay our bills and that there's, you know, that there, then that's the only thing he's taking, whatever is left over above that. But was I discouraged when I was in here and Larry was at work and I didn't plan it very wisely because Amy's supposed to be on the schedule with me and it was the week that she had the long week teaching so she wasn't available. Yes, I was discouraged and I was grumbling and I was like, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant, Sherlock. Come up with this idea. But then I felt settled in my spirit that you did what I asked you to do. I laid this on your heart and you did what I asked you to do. It wasn't Pastor's idea. It wasn't Tim's. It wasn't Barry's. It wasn't Carol's. None of them. I called pastor and said, can you put the custodial position on the agenda? I'd like to talk about it. And then bless Kimmy's heart, after ladies' night, she came and finished helping me clean the church. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to let the enemy whisper in your ear. When we feel discouraged, we want comfort. But we have to be careful because, like I said a minute ago, that 
Our discouragement can, can be contagious, weakening others' faith. And people don't intend to weaken other people's faith. They don't think, oh, I'm going to do this or that. And oftentimes when a person is in a place of discouragement, they don't realize the impact that they are having. And it's almost like a domino effect. That person affects that person, and that person affects that person. And then pretty soon, all the dominoes are down. It's right to want comfort, but the comforts we often turn to are ways to avoid our fears and discouragement rather than ways to muster the courage to face and overcome them. That's why people flee churches. They're discouraged, they're hurt, they're upset, but they don't have the courage to try to figure it out. Or when people are affected by someone else's hurt or someone else's discouragement, they really don't want to take the time. It's easier to say, I'm taking a break. If we just turn to other ways to handle our discouragement, then it simply becomes simple indulgence and unbelief. No different than indulging in lust or anger or other sins of unbelief. Jesus does not want us to be discouraged. In fact, he commands us not to be. Listen to, again to what Jesus says to his disciples just before what probably was the most discouraging experience of their lives, his brutal death. John 14, 1, again, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not. Jesus' words, let not. These are not merely comforting. They are commands. He knew they would be tempted to fear. Things were going to look very bad, like the whole mission was imploding. What were they to do instead of being afraid? Believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In other words, don't let your hearts be ruled by what you see. Let them be ruled by what I promise you. And that's what he's saying to you and me and to this church. Don't be ruled by what you see. Be ruled by what I have promised. And I've said it before, thieves don't break into empty houses. I saw that, and it was just a very powerful thing to me. Satan doesn't want us to grow here at Desert Hills. He doesn't want outreach. He doesn't want us to come together as a fellowship and be bound together with cords that cannot be broken. He wants to divide, conquer, and take down. That's what he wants. But we have to keep our eyes on Jesus and be ruled by his promise. Maybe there's things in your life that are tempting you to discouragement. Are we having a hard time believing that God will really work for good? What looks so bad? Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. If you are feeling discouraged in any area of your life, and it's it is so it's so easy. It's so easy to let that discouragement take hold. 
means all kinds of things. And sometimes we put on that face and everybody and everything looks great. We go to work, we go to the coffee shop, we, wherever our day may take us. How you doing? Fine. We shouldn't have to do that in the body. Somebody comes and you say to them, how are you today? They should feel safe to say, I'm not worth anything today. Do we make ourselves a safe place for people to come? really care about what's causing people to not be here? Or did we just kind of have the token, oh, I missed you on Sunday? That was it. I missed you. Are you okay? And just like parenting our children, sometimes so frustrating and you just want to smack them and say, if you just do what I'd say, life would be a whole lot better. We have people, we have fellow Christians that sometimes it feels like that. That it would be easier to say, you just come to church, just read your Bible, just pray, just do whatever, and then it would all be okay. But that's not what they're going to respond to. I've had contact with several that are being attacked by the enemy right now. And the enemy's doing everything he can to keep them out of church, and they're fighting to be here. Not here today, but fighting to be here. But having difficulty seeing the promise. Can we show them the promise? In the time of discouragement or despair, that's the time to fight not to powder shrink. Think of discouragement as your faith being choked. When you're choking, you don't go plop down in front of the TV with a plate of comfort food. You have to do something to get that out of there. You need to dislodge the obstruction so you can breathe. You need to fight for life. You may need to get someone to give you the highlight. If your discouragement is choking you, you have to be transparent to someone and say I'm discouraged and I feel like I'm being choked out but if somebody says that to you you can't make light of it you have to give encouragement or if you need it you have to go get it faith-fueled courage biblical courage some Bible verses of encouragement, some prayer. Don't let discouragement choke you. It's dislodged by believing promises. God gave us the Bible so that through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, Romans 15, 4. It says amazing things like, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
That's Romans 8, verses 35 and 37. Don't let your heart be ruled by what you see. Let it be ruled by what Jesus promises you. John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations. Don't say you might, but you will. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I'm just going to end with that, and I just would encourage us to pray for our pastor, Lucy, and to lift them up, and to look around and see who's not here. Try to reach out to them. and See if they need somebody to pray for them. Or to just if it, not all people are comfortable praying with people, but to just to see, is there something I could pray about? And then you could pray in their private time. Just to let them know they're loved and that they're worth something to us and to God, most importantly. And that they don't have to earn His favor or His grace. Because there's some that are struggling right now, feeling like they have to beg to find their place in people's lives, and they're not feeling their worth. We're in some serious times here at Desert Hills, but if we keep our eyes on Jesus and we trust the plan, I wasn't going to say this, but I'll say it. So politically. We hear of Christians all of the time. We have to pray for our presidents. Pray for our president. Pray for those in leadership. They are flawed. They are human. We pray for them. God appointed them. They are there because God appointed them. We need to do that for our pastor. We need to pray for him. He is human and he is flawed, but God appointed him to be here. God appointed him to be here. And the enemy would want to drive him away. And if you hear people saying, I'm just taking a break. I had somebody tell me I'm just taking a break. And, you know, I kind of indicated that they would be back at some point. And then I found out two days later they're going to another church. But can't express why they need to take a break. If anybody will open up to you, encourage them to come to me or Tim or Carol and say, hey, this is why I'm taking a break. This is my concern, what I see, so that we can talk to them. And if there's validity in what they're saying, that we can try to find a solution. Because we can't help we don't know. And I just want to encourage everyone because I've been battling with discouragement in lots of things. My autoimmune disorder is coming out of remission and I'm having physical health problems. My son is very, very ill. struggling to get the help he needs. He's been in and out of the ER. I get discouraged. But then 
God whispers to me, trust me. Not just financially. Spiritually, physically, financially, relationally. Church community, trust me. 